1 Kings chapter 19, and I'm going to give you a mini version of this because I'm fully aware that it's Mother's Day. I'm fully aware that it's 1124, and I'm fully aware that some of y'all can't wait to get to mamas or grandmas to eat that kind of food that you ain't been able to eat since last year. Praise God. Verse 19, chapter 19 says this. So this is talking about Elijah and Elisha. To help me so I don't have to set up a lot. How many's ever heard of the story or how many's ever heard of this statement? Elisha received a double portion anointing. If you ever heard that, say amen. To help me not to have to set up a whole lot more. Have you ever heard the story that the way he received that double portion anointing is that on a certain day he he followed Elijah and kept saying, I'm not going to leave you, I'm not going to leave you. And, And Elijah finally says, if you can see me when I go away, you can have what is on me. And the Bible says a great whirlwind came and a chariot of fire came down in the midst of that and took up Elijah, and he was taken away from the sight of Elisha, and his prayer shawl and his mantle fell, and then Elijah, Elisha, excuse me, grabs that mantle and receives a double portion anointing. If you've ever heard that before, say amen. Now, have you ever said or ever thought in your mind ever, publicly or privately, I would like to have an anointing of God on my life to do something for him. Say amen. How many has ever even said, I would like to have a double portion anointing? It's okay to say it. Amen. I don't know about y'all, but I've asked for a triple anointing, a quadruple anointing, a decibillion anointing. Y'all didn't know I knew that one. I might have just made it up. I don't even know if it's real. But before that ever happens, you got to understand there's some things that you have to do to position yourself even for a single anointing, let alone a double anointing. Some of y'all looking for a double anointing, and you ain't done what you need to do to be positioned for an anointing. Oh, I'm preaching better than you already shouting. So i got to go here in the next 25 minutes. So he departed, verse 19. This is a setup. Elijah departed. God was speaking to Elijah in a cave. And God said to Elijah, listen, I want you to get up and I want you to go do a few things. One thing I want you to do is anoint the king. Okay? And the very next... In the very next breath, right after mentioning a king, in the same context of talking about a king, he said, I also want you to anoint Elisha. Now, he knew Elisha very well. This was not a random name that he heard from God. He knew Elisha very well because Elisha was his armor bearer. Elisha had served him for years. The Bible doesn't even tell us how many years, but the Bible says this. That many times his entire job was to do nothing but hold the coat or wash the hands and dry the hands of the man of God. When he was eating, Elisha's job was to stand over to the side and watch his leader eat and make sure he had everything he needed. Are y'all hearing me? He'd done that for years. Every time you saw Elijah, you saw Elisha. Same thing with with Moses and Joshua. Huh? You see the pattern? Moses was, when God told Moses he was going to die, he said, listen, you're not going to make it into the promised land, but I need you to let them know that Joshua is going to have your anointing. 
Did he not tell Joshua, do not fear, be strong and of good courage. For the same anointing and the same God and the same power that was on Moses shall be on you. It's a pattern. It's a pattern. Somebody say, it's a pattern. Somebody say, this is us. I said, somebody say, this is us. We burn the plow. Now, so he departed. He gets up and he does what God says. He anoints the king and then he goes to a specific place. And I want you to see this. He goes to a field where people are plowing. And he finds Elisha, verse 19, the son of Shaphat. And he finds him doing something. Look at the screen. Who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. What's the next word? Say it loud. Even in what he was doing, he was still letting others go before him. Even though he was the right-hand man of the most famous godly man, probably one of the most, if not the most famous prophet in the history of Israel. But yet he's not just plowing, Jim. You know what else he's doing? He's plowing behind oxen behind 11 other men, random men that nobody knows who they are, plowing with their oxen. So not only is he working the field, he is eating the dust of all the other no-names, unqualified, never did what that he did, but they didn't have to eat his dust. He had to eat every one of their dust. Oh, I'm preaching better than you shout And he was with the 12th. See that? He was at the end. He was the 12th one behind all these others. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. Can you grab my handkerchief out of my Bible right there, Jim? Right there. Yeah. Watch this. Now, it would have been much bigger than this. It's a prayer shawl. All right, son. Yeah. Yeah. Come right here. Come right here. Till the field slowly towards Jim. And no, you got oxen. You ain't tilling it that way. You right slow, slow. Oxen are not that fast. All right, go slow. Now watch this. Stop. You have to get this. He did not stop and have a conversation with him. He did not stop and tell him, well, I know you've been waiting for this day. The Lord would say unto you, go and be a blessed prophet of God. Then Elijah passed by him. That's all he did. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. He He heard a command from God to go find Elisha, to anoint him. Specifically was told by God to reign and to operate in your stead after I take you. You would think that that was going to be a big moment. A popping circumstance moment. A, a, a moment where they blew trumpets and oil was poured and, and things were wrapped around them and people came in waving banners. It was the most unlikely setup you would ever see. A man in a field behind two nasty animals, behind at least two nasty animals, maybe even more, behind 11 other setups just like him. Dusty, nasty, muddy. Think about this. 
Not only is he walking and eating in the dust, but on the bottom of his feet, can I be real with y'all, is the crap of everybody that went before him. Because the oxen do not pause and turn around and look at the owner and say, excuse me, could I go to the restroom? They drop their crap in the midst of the field. If you leave this church because I, I said crap, I'm going to come to your house and listen to what you listen to on the TV. Let's just make that real right now. The most unlikely scenario, he passed by him. Now watch this. When you read the original language that this was written in in Hebrew, it does not imply that he just passed by him. It implies that he was running when he got there, and he ran right by him. Are you hearing me? It implies that he did this. No conversation. Are you hearing me? I want that back, but sit down. You can sit down. Sit down. I want you to hold it. I'm saying you ain't taking it home. That's mine. Now watch what happened. When it hit him, somebody say when it hit him. He left the oxen and ran after Elijah. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. I may not get to my notes today, but I'm going to preach today. Is anybody getting something? He didn't pause and think about it. He didn't say, you know what, I need to pray about that. How many times have I come to somebody in this church in 25 years of pastoring and say, as your pastor, as your spiritual father, as the, as the man of God in your life that you have empowered me to be and said to you, you know what, I feel like the Lord is getting ready to use you. Are you ready to serve? This is what I feel like the Lord is calling you to do. It may not be what he's calling you to do now, but this is what I need you to do now. And I heard these words. Well, let me pray about it. Let me pray about it. Let me get back to you. I'm not talking about you shouldn't pray about things. But when you have been preparing yourself to be used by God and God sends a man to you and says it's time, you better leave the oxen. Oh, I'm preaching good if nobody's going to help me. Listen, y'all ain't got no excuse. I slept in an airport last night. I ain't took a bath in two days. Yeah, I still smell good. He left the oxen. What's the next thing? And ran after who? After Elijah. I've told young men and young ladies over the years that have said that, that they want uh, to, to, to be under my covering and to have the past, be the pastor in their life. And I've said these words because my pastor said the same words to me. If you want what's on me, you're going to have to run after me and get what's on me. Because I'm not going to run after you and make you take what's on me. Now watch this. And Elisha said, I know I ain't going to get to my note. Listen to what he said. Please let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. Preachers have rebuked him for saying that. Preachers have said he should have not done that. 
He should have just went on. But let me tell you something. First thing you need to understand, that was a man of honor. That man understood honor. There was no question that he was going to follow Elijah. No question. He just walked away from his livelihood, left it there. And I'm going to show you something. Many did more than that. But he said, if I'm going to do this thing, i got to do it with the blessings according to the law. Come on, are you hearing me? The Word of God says, honor your father and mother. Come on. That your days may be long. Come on. That's, a big, that's one of the big ten. But now watch this. Here's the powerful thing. Let me kiss my father and my mother. Symbolic of, let me go kiss what brought me into this world in the natural goodbye, my father. And let me kiss, oh, y'all ain't hearing me. How many knows your daddy, whether you knew him or not, your daddy is what made you. Your mama is who carried you and brought you through. So when he said, I got to go kiss my mom and daddy, he said, listen, I understand the magnitude of this moment. Not only am I being promoted in the faith, I love my mama and daddy, but I, got, I want everybody to know that I, from this point forward, I am not defined by any man who made me or anything I had to go through. Huh? Are y'all hearing me? People are afraid to take the next step because of things that they have experienced in their past. Things that have been said about them. Things they've had to go through. But he said, no doubt I'm going to follow you. But I need... I'm not dishonoring my parents. I'm not saying that they're not important in my life anymore, but I know where I'm about to go. So therefore, I need everyone to know that my ties to the old me that I woke up as this morning have been severed. I still love them. I still honor them, but I am not that man anymore. Oh, I, if nobody else is going to help me, I'll preach to myself. I'm jacked up on two sparks this morning too. Yeah. So Elisha turned back from him. Look at the process. I want to kiss my father who brought me into this world and made me in the flesh of man. Love him, honor him, but he don't define me from this point forward. I'm going to kiss my mama, the one that carried me, that, the one that birthed me, the one that brought me through the birth canal, that carried me and picked me up every time I skimped my knee. I love my mama. I honor my mama. To the day I die, I will love and honor my mama. But watch this. Some of you today have very tough, difficult times today, not just because you lost your mother and your mother's no longer with us and she's in heaven now. Mother's Day is very, ter very, very tough on people that, 
that go through many different ways of, of how Mother's Day and Father's Day deal with them. But some of you, it's tough on you because of, of your mother was not a good mother or your mother was not in your life and your mother didn't want to be in your life. I got news for you. If you got daddy issues or you got mama issues, all you really need at this point as a child of God is a Jesus issue. Because when you get Jesus in your life, he'll be, not only become a father to the fatherless, he'll become a mother to the motherless. You don't dishonor them. You don't break ties from them. But you are not defined by them. I know what my DNA says. I know what the doctors say. Hey, they want to check you for this and this because, because you told me that your daddy had this and your granddaddy had this. I got news for you. When something got, when the God threw the mantle on me, when I gave my life to Christ and I was born again, I'm telling you, I broke those generational curses over my life. Well, I wish somebody helped me. Mm. First step, second step. As he's headed to see his mom and dad, watch what we do. He took the yoke of oxen and he slaughtered them. He boiled their flesh. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. And using the oxen equipment, watch this. He killed the oxen. He skinned them. Do you understand? That took a while. That was a process. And Elijah's sitting there watching. You don't see a rebuke from Elijah because Elijah sees what he's doing. Elijah knows exactly what he's doing. Elijah sat down and ate the oxen with him because he boiled the flesh, but he didn't have nothing to make a fire out of. And he said, don't worry, I, we, we got to cook this fire on. He took the, the yoke, the plow, and he broke it into pieces, and he made the fire from the plow and burned the animal that was his provision on the fire that was made from the plow. Slap your neighbor and tell him he's talking to you. He gave it to the people and they ate. And then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. Notice what he was doing before was serving. But when he burned the plow, he became his servant. Go look up that word servant, do a word study on it, and it means he became his protege. At that moment, not when he was holding his coat, not he was... He was positioning himself when he was holding the coat. He was positioning himself when he was drying his hands. He was positioning himself when he was being faithful. Even when the man of God didn't need him, he still went and provided for his family, and he still plowed the field. Are you hearing me? I believe God has been speaking to me as your spiritual father regarding where some of you are at. This is why I had to get this out. I got 15 minutes. I believe that God wants me to say a few things to you this morning. Many of you were excited when I first talked about Focus 25. You got excited about This Is Us. You picked up a rubber band and you wore it. You was proud of it. You took pictures of it. 
the first week and a half, everybody's posting. Everybody's saying this is us. Then I got some other bands for you that had it actually on it. And we exchanged those bands, and we did hands up, bands up, and it was exciting. And we're in part 20 of This Is Us today. There's never been a series that's united us the most. Then you put, picked up a piece of rope on Palm Sunday and you said, I'm going to be tied to the pole while I'm positioning myself for my purpose, waiting on the Lord to come and say, I have need for him. Then you took the folded napkin and all over the house on Easter, we waved it. We all got excited about the illustration. But some of you are already back to feeling dry and dead and losing your focus. Already, you don't think nothing about wearing this bracelet. Already, some of you, if I ask you where your napkin is, you wouldn't even be able to tell me. Some of you have been coming to this church for years. And I'm not beating you up, but I'm telling you the truth. You're coming here for years. Love this church, believe in this church, but you have not sold a single dollar to Focus 25. But you've paid for your Netflix. You ain't missed Netflix. It automatically comes out. But you ain't sold nothing towards bathrooms. You ain't sold nothing towards the children's ministry. But you want to shout, this is us. Let me tell you what the issue is. I won't get to all my notes, but I'll get to a few of them. The first one is this. The reason we keep starting over and over and over is that you did not start correctly to begin with. Oh, I'm going to say it again. The reason you keep starting over and over again is because you didn't start correctly to begin with. You want to learn more about that? Get my book. It's called Star Wars Chapter 2. Not the book. The book's called I See Greatness in You. Chapter 2 is called Star Wars. One of the things I talk about in Chapter 2 is the next thing on your notes, the way you start will determine how you run and if you finish. I used to say how you finish, but as I was working on this sermon, God said, no, no. Some people can't ever finish what they started because they didn't start the right way. And they get mad at God. They get mad at their pastor. They get mad at their church. When the truth is, they did not burn the plow. If you don't burn the plow, if you don't kill the oxen and skin them, if you don't boil them and cook them and eat it, if you don't kiss your mom and daddy goodbye, I'm not talking about in the natural. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you don't go through the steps that Elisha went to, the first sign of attack, downtime, depression, you will always tell yourself, if this don't work out, I can always go back to the plow. Oh, listen, you cannot ever do what God has told you to do. You want to see, you can't even have a, you can't even be faithful in a single anointing, let alone a double anointing, until you burn the plow. Burn the plow. Somebody shout, burn the plow. 
Next thing on your notes, we're going to go quick. We desire the double portion blessing of Elisha, but we have no desire to serve like Elisha. We want what Elisha got, but we don't want to be Elisha. What would you do? I ain't going to do it, but I'm being serious. What would you do if I came to you and said, listen, from now on, when I'm in the church, I need you to follow me around with me, be right by my side, and I'll be honest with you, every time I touch, listen, I'm, I'm not going to do this. I'm giving an extreme example, but I'm being serious. Every time I, I get so excited on Sunday mornings, you know, I, 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 I hit my hair and I mess my hair up all the time. It looks horrible. So I want you to follow me around. Anytime I wash my hands, I want you to just, I'm going to stick my hands out. I want you to dry my hands for me. Make sure I look good. Look at my hair because I'm like, so my hair is wet. That's what I do. I mess my hair. Oh, my hair is dry. So I, my hands are dry so I don't mess up my hair. I need you to hold my jacket when I take it off. Stand outside the door while I go in the restroom. Stand there and wait on me. When I get through going to the restroom, I'm going to wash my hands. And I'm going to say your name, and I need you to open the door. I want you to come in, hang my jacket up, dry my hands, and give me my jacket back and help me put it back on so that I can be ready to preach. In America and in this church, you'd be like, who do you think you are? No, I'm not going to do that because that ain't me. Are you hearing me? But that was Elijah. And in the modern church, we love to preach about Elisha. We love it, man, because it makes us so happy. Talk about, I don't want a single portion. I want a double portion. How many wants a double portion? But you are too good to park a car. You are too good to rock a baby. You are too good to stand at the door and shake somebody's hand. Mm. You're too good for that. That's not what you're called to do. Oh, you think I made you mad now? I'm going to make, really make you mad on this Mother's Day weekend. Are you happy? Ain't this a sweet Mother's Day sermon? Here's, here's what else you get. Now listen, this is, if you know me, and if I'm your pastor, and you take this personal, what I'm about to say, and you get offended at me, you are not a spiritual son or daughter to me because you don't have my heart. Because I'm not speaking intentionally to anyone because this has covered a, a host of people over multiple buildings over the years, what I'm about to say. Well, pastor, you know what I feel like God's calling me to do right now? He's just calling me to just sit down. He's just calling me to sit and just receive. I'm not trying to be funny. He's, he's, he's just calling me to, I hear what you're saying. I, I love the Lord. I love this church. I want to serve. But I'm, I'm, just, I'm just called to sit right now. Okay. Okay. I know that sometimes people have to go through a, a, a time of healing. I know that people 
have to sometimes when tragedy has happened or, or, or maybe even burnout possibly. I'm looking back up. No, no, I don't, I don't even want to give that excuse because, no. Because you don't heal burnout by doing nothing. I'm going to say that again. You don't heal burnout by doing nothing. I don't care if you agree with it or not. Because all you, all you become when you come out of that doing nothing in your burnout is your whole idea of serving changes. Now the gauge of your commitment goes down. You've, you've scaled it down because now you've said to yourself, I know how much I was doing before and I burn out, so I'm now bringing the gauge down to full down here so that I make sure that I don't burn out again. The problem was not how much you were doing in the church. The problem was how little you were doing at home. You can't handle two hours on a Sunday, two hours on a Wednesday, and maybe an hour and an hour and a half on, a, on another random day in, in, a, in a month. But yet, you can binge watch. Happy Mother's Day. I understand that sometimes people have to have a time of healing. I'm not saying that it's never appropriate for you to say, Pastor, I need some time. Do you hear me? I want to make that clear. But I need to make something else clear to you. And I know this process is, I hate to say this, but remember when Bishop Clint said, grab my beard and said, Pastor, before you can go to the next level, the beard's got to be trimmed. I don't want nobody to leave this church, but I look around and look at the crowd and I can see the beard being trimmed. I don't mean that, I don't mean that in a bad way because I don't want nobody to leave. But where we're going, you need to make a decision. Are you going to keep the safety net of the plow or are you going to burn that thing? Because every single time you'll go back. And here's the key. Elisha knew he would. Even though he was the epitome of a servant, he understood the humanity of himself. He said to himself, I cannot give myself a way back. I have got to burn every bridge to the old me that I can so that I don't even have a way to get back there if I want to. Huh? Here's the next thing on your notes, and you ain't going to like this one. God has not called you to a pew. He has called you to a field. Harvest. Huh? I don't never remember the Lord saying, look into the fields. They're widened to harvest. Sit down and pray about it. No, he said, here's the issue that I have. I ain't got enough people willing to go into the harvest. He had that issue 2,000 years ago, and he still has it today. He says, here's what you need to do. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. That he would send forth labors in the harvest. Can I tell you something what labor is? Work. 
So in other words, if you're going to reach the harvest, you're going to have to work. And people don't want, well, ministry shouldn't be work. What Bible are you reading? What Bible are you reading? What Bible college, what pastor are you sitting under that are going to tell you that ministry is not work? In fact, Jesus even said it this way. If you don't work, you ain't even supposed to eat. Oh, I got to hurry. I got to skip over a few. Next on your notes, I ain't going to preach it. It just simply says, you may have to eat the dust of others while you wait on your moment. You may have to eat the dust of others while you wait on your mama. Mm-hmm. Now watch this. This is my last point. God did not give Elisha from Elijah or even from God specific instructions about what he was about to do after that moment. He just knew there ain't no way that I'm going to see the man, the prophet of Israel, throw his mantle on me and keep running and stand here waiting on the plan to be laid out to me that God has for my life. Oh, Lord, just show me. Just show me what you have for me, Lord. Just give me the first step, God. Just, just show me, God. Why am I here? Just give me purpose. Lord's up there saying, be quiet. Run. Just start running. Next thing in your notes, God is usually strategically vague in his directions. He's strategically vague in his destructions. In his destructions, not destructions, but instructions. Sometimes it feels like destruction, but it's instruction. How many knows if 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 he said, let me tell you something, you're gonna start at this line and you're gonna end up on that other line over there, and you're gonna you're gonna reach millions. The world is gonna be touched by your ministry. That's where you're headed. Come on, somebody. We get excited about that word, right? But what if he said, on the way from this to that? Right here, you're going to be diagnosed with cancer. Right here, you're going, to, you're going to lose your father or your mother. Right here, the church that you planted, everybody, somebody's going to split the church, and the church is going to fall apart, and you're going to have to start all over again. Right here, when you've worked 25 years at a company to build some equity, and now you're getting ready to retire, you had your whole thing laid out, but you still needed a few more years to be able to do for God what you called him to do. You was going to the mission field. The plant closed down, and you had to go get a job at McDonald's while he's waiting on something else, and you were that close to your lion. Y'all see why I had to preach today? Next thing we notice is this, God will often guide you with one word, come. No direction, come. When he threw the mantle, that was come. Peter sees Jesus walking on the water. Peter says, if that's really you, Lord, tell me to come to you. I'm talking about a miracle. You understand people can't walk on water. Only Jesus. But Jesus has looked at him with one word. Come. And the Bible says Peter stepped out of the boat.
At that moment, Peter forgot that he was human. He cut the ties of humanity. He burned the humanity plow, supposedly. What he really did was just knocked it over. He didn't burn it because after a few steps of walking in the impossible, he, the waves and the wind started coming at him, and he could hear the screams and the cries of people from the boat. Do you understand? This is probably what they were saying. Peter, what are you doing? You're going to sink. This, you can't walk on water. As long as Peter had his eyes on Jesus. Peter was not thinking about who defined him, who made him, what he had been through. He wasn't thinking about that he was a fisherman. In fact, remember what he did? What the Bible said, he walked away from his fishing. He was in the boat, and God said, come on, I'll make you fishers of men. He dropped the nets and left his own fishing business. Come. Random. Next note. You'll never be happy and fulfilled until you are serving others. You'll never be happy and fulfilled until you are serving others. That's the joy of Elisha. Next, next note, Elisha is only, listen to me today. This is what God spoke to me this week. He is only known today, not because he received the double portion anointing. He only received the double portion anointing. We only know about him because he chose to burn the plow. Listen, how do I know that? Elisha would have never done that unless he didn't trust himself to try to go back to it. He had watched the life of what it meant to be the prophet. It's a lonely life. A death threats every day of your life. Your family abandons you. Didn't Jesus say prophets are honored everywhere else except in their own household? So he knew, listen, I've watched this man suffer. I've watched this man be sacrifice everything for God and it looked like God has abandoned him I know what I'll do if I don't burn the plow I think my last note is this see when you choose to burn the plow you are declaring there is no plan B You ever, you ever gone into a situation with a plan B? If you go into a situation with a plan B, listen to me, you never fully go all in with plan A. You don't. You don't. You might think you do, but if you already think, well, I've got a plan B, if this don't work out, you'll never go all in. You'll judge the success of plan A based on natural success, what makes you feel good and everything that you desire to happen happens exactly like you desire to, have, to happen and you can check it off, plan A worked. But when things do not work out the way you wanted them to work out, you'll say things like this, well, it's all right, I got a plan B. You might have even had strategy meetings on your job. We say, okay, listen, plan A is this. If that don't work out, you go ahead and tell them plan B. The moment you tell somebody there's a plan B, especially if it's not even their plan and they're trying to serve you of, of, your, of your plan A, 
but you tell them it's all right if it don't work out, we got a plan B, they certainly are never going to go in all in for you to be successful in plan A. In their mind, because they're, they're never going to go all in for somebody else's dream when there's a plan B. But when you, per, when you burn the plow and you skin the oxen's hide and you boil the flesh and you eat it, Huh? You kiss your mama and your daddy goodbye. You say goodbye to your community. There is no plan B. So that is what. Happy Mother's Day. Watch this. Here's my Mother's Day gift. I'm going to finish in two minutes. That is why when you fast forward in the story. And they stop at the Jordan River. They stop at Bethel. They stop at Jericho. Are you hearing me? And all three times, the prophet says to him, listen, this is too big for you. You don't understand where I'm headed. You don't understand what's about to happen. Because Elijah knew exactly what was about to happen. He knew he was about to be taken up to heaven. He knew that his mantle, if this man stayed with him, was going to be passed to him, his anointing. He said, you don't understand, you don't understand. All three times, go read what Elisha said. Elisha said, as as long as the Lord God lives and as I live, I will not leave you. How could he say that so confident? Because in the back of his mind, he was saying, even if my knees are shaking, even if I'm scared to death to say what I'm about to say, I ain't got nothing to go back to. It's either all this or nothing. So I ain't got no plan B. So Elijah, you don't understand. Don't you remember when we left? I burned everything. I hear what you're saying, but what am I going to go back to? Okay, come on. Okay, come on. Okay, come on. He gets to the end. He's standing at the Jordan River. All right. What is it that you want? I want a double portion of your anointing. Listen to what he says. You have asked a hard thing. Now, don't say this is a gospel according to Larry, but Elijah had confidence at that moment because he looked at him, and Elijah the prophet starts playing all through this to his mind. He goes, well, I'll tell you this. I've been preaching in the school of the prophets. This is all in your Bible. For months and maybe even years that this day was coming. And all those students heard me say the same thing, but there ain't but one standing by me. Every one of those are up in the hills watching me. I can see their little eyes behind the bushes right now watching me. This is all in your Bible. These are my words, but the Bible says this. They were watching. All of them still got their plows. All of them still got their jobs back at home. But this man burned everything. This man, I begged this man to leave, and he would not leave. This man has served me, and this man has made it all the way to this point. And this man has nothing to go back to. He is ready to go all in with this mantle. And then he says something to him that changed the whole history of Israel. He said, I'm about to go away. But if you can see me. You can have what's on me. And the whirlwind came. The chariot of fire came down. Picked up his leader. And he's standing there and he's watching. Can you imagine the moment? Can you imagine the moment? 
when he looks up and he sees something falling way up in the clouds. He's like, what is that? What is that? And it's falling. And as it's falling, you know, it's almost like right before you die, your life flashes before you. Can you imagine what was going through his mind right now? All the years of serving. One day, a random day that he was just out working the field, God found him faithful over a, a few things. And he said, what is that? What is that? And all of a sudden, just as Elijah whoo, disappears, the prayer shell comes, and he catches it. It's all right. It's all right. And he catches it. Yes. Oh, my Lord. Listen. Before the rooster crows, I will drop the no. <laughs> three times. Austin, do you love me? No, no, just. What position did you play in high school? Receiver. Oh, my Lord. I'll play you. Sit down. And this is the first thing he says. Where is the Lord God of Elijah. <laughs> what was on him came on him in double portion of anointing. He slammed the Jordan River. It came, came, and all of a sudden, as he walks on dry land to the other side, all those students who had not burned the plow, who had mocked him and made fun of him, came to him and said, can you pray for my family? Can you come and pray for the sick in my village? He was a peer that morning, but he was their leader that night in one day. In one day. So, so what are we raising up in this church? Not Elijah's. Elisha's that have received what God is trying to throw on you. I'm not telling you to quit your jobs. It's stupid. Don't do that. I'm not telling you to do stupid stuff like that. Don't go home and use my words and twist my words to tell you that God said go burn your plow and quit your job. No, I'm talking about the things that you always go back to. If it's your television, turn it off, sell it. If you're addicted to the Internet, get rid of everything. People lived without a phone before now. If your plow is your phone, burn it. Why was that the, lo the least amen I got all day long? Think about it. 